Hello, Marvelites. You are listening to Marvel's Pull List for new Marvel comics on sale November 30th, 2022. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Jasmine Estrada. The M stands for Marvels. Very good. Very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are rounding out to the end of this calendar year 2022. Just a couple more episodes left in the year. A lot of fun stuff. Crazy, right? I know. Uh, I was thinking, oh, cool. We'll probably have like a bunch of chill weeks of releases and stuff. This week, pretty good. Pretty chill. Next week, 23 issues, baby. Get ready for I know. it. <laughs> Can't wait. It's going to be a marathon. Also, yeah. what's crazy was we're going to be talking about this later, but we we're going to talk about Avengers Assemble Alpha number one. Mm-hmm. And I decided to kind of go back to see where this like multiversal like story started literally a year ago. The beginning of it was in December. Yeah, I think it even goes back further, right? When Jason well, totally. first, first established the, the, the you know, uh, prehistoric Avengers, the Avengers of mm-hmm. 1 million BC. I think a lot of the seeds even go back that far. But yes, this this story, I love a good slow build. Same. I'm just like, wow, I can't believe because I wanted to go back and reread them all. And I'm like, whoa, there's like a solid 30 issues of comics to read there. That's awesome. Hell yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, go back, read lots of great comics and get excited for lots of great comics this week because we are going to run you through all the brand new comics on sale this week. We're going to give you our three picks and then we're going to talk about all the other books, give out some awards to those titles. We're going to tell you what collections are on sale, what comics are hitting Marvel Unlimited, including Infinity Comics, the scrolling vertical comics that you can only read on MU and we'll even give you a reading club. What's our reading club this week, Jasmine? Yes, this week we're talking to Sean Isaacs, who's the artist working on the current run of Thunderbolts, but we'll be talking about the 1997 run of Thunderbolts with Kirk Busick and Mark Bagley on art and words, and I cannot express how excited I am to talk about this book. So much fun. We're going to get into all that a little bit later, but first up, we've got to talk about our picks, and first up, I... We teased it, sort of. Our first pick is, <laughs> is Avengers Assemble Alpha number one. This is, yes, the year plus long story we've been building to and, and getting ready for. Brainchilded by writer Jason Aaron, but here he is joined by great creators Brian Hitch, Andrew Curry, and Alex Sinclair on art, and VCs Corey Pettit on letters. Um, There's a bunch of great variants in here. There's some really cool covers, of course, if you want to check those out. But man, I'm just so excited to see Brian Hitch doing big Super Team Avengers stuff again. I think it was last week or the week before we were talking about the Ultimates Omnibus that was releasing. And Ultimates is the that Ultimate Universe version of the Avengers. And Brian did so much work, really influenced an entire generation, probably multiple generations of artists with that work in Ultimates. And to see him come back and do big, widescreen, huge cast, like epic world ending universe, multiverse ending threats. The man's the goods. The man's the goods. The the opening shot of this issue is a two-page spread at the God Quarry, which is, if you don't know, Jason describes it as the rich soil of rotting deities from which all existence grows, the boundary between the, the orchard of all known realities and the first firmament, the dark sea of infinite nothingness that came before. I mean, yeah, 
that's like Jason. Said. That's Jason just being Jasony with with uh, describing it in really cool ways. It's a gnarly pit of like frozen in godly stone different deities that have been around since infinity. So you've got like celestials reaching out with all kinds of elder gods and weird gods. And so you Brian has to design this entire thing, right? And he has to create these two-page spread. Then he has to think about the perspective to create, to, to make you feel how vast and wide and large it is. It is a feat of, of epic proportions, but for a master like Brian Hitch, it's a cinch. It's great. Uh, one thing that we do get here in some ways is our first real look at Avenger Prime, the Avenger who has been pulling together the entire multiversal Avengers, trying to combat the multiversal masters of evil. And we don't fully know their identity here, but we're getting some hints. Jasmine, I will ask you not to to give your theory, but I don't, you had a I'm really good theory. It. I see. I I'm sticking to it. It's mm-hmm. it's been a long one. Uh, it's a long con and I'm like, okay, maybe, but I don't know yet. Um, but my other theory is like, we saw you pop up in Marvel Studios, Ms. Marvel, and now I'm kind yep. of starting to question things because you've mm-hmm. been very coy about your theory. And I'm like, mm-hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I am across the multiverse. It is true. I am right. in video games and comics. And like, he doesn't have facial hair, but like, that's a good way to throw people off. I'm it just really saying. is. It really is. And, you know, how better to uh, fool people than to wear a suit, which I don't do very often. Hmm. Never. Hmm. Makes you think. You know, Uh, I've never seen you and Avenger Prime in the room together. It's true. It's true. Let's keep that in our back pocket for right now and move on. Continuing with the story because we get a throwdown between various teams of Avengers and then more teams of Avengers come and they have to go up against Doom Supreme, who is the Doom above all, commanding that multiversal Masters of Evil, which with King Killmonger, Black Skull, Dark Phoenix, the Berserker, Ghost Goblin, Young Thanos. And this starts just this huge, gnarly battle. I I don't want to give away what happens, but Doom goes up against a member of one of the Avengers teams and the thing that multiple members, yes, multiple members, but there's one in particular that doom handles in a way. I'm just like G T F O. It is wild. We get a, another double page spread towards like the middle end of the book with so many Mephistos. I think this Brian Hitch, either like did the same number of Mephistos as Javier Garon did a couple months back, or he one-upped him. It feels like this could go either way. We go on further into Avengers Assemble, which will happen next week with Avengers. This is a great kickoff to a big, gigantic Avengers, just a, a true epic. If you have not been reading Avengers, you can jump in with this, but if you have... Oof, you're going to be eaten well for a while. Mm-hmm. All right, next up is my first pick of the week, which is Exterminators number three. This might be my favorite issue of this entire series. I'm still like, you know, reading it in real time, but this issue is the most Exterminators exterminating book that I've read. Um, and before I go any further, uh, I want to quickly read out the credits because it is written by Leo Williams with Art by Carlos Gomez, colors by Brian Valenza, and letters by BC's Travis Lanham. And if you thought the last two issues were wacky, this issue just kind of outdoes itself. Like, Leah keeps outdoing herself each issue and putting these characters in the most ridiculous situations possible. But also, like, 
taking a step back at every opportunity to just quickly crack a joke, which is like, I appreciate so much because the delivery of each joke in this book is so well paced, so well timed. It's the, the type of internet culture and humor that I really love and enjoy, full of memes, full of like hmm. plenty of screenshots that I know that will be sent around X Twitter uh, for the next couple of months for <laughs> oh, yeah. sure. Um, and the way that, that these heroes' powers are used together and combined and the teamwork that they've slowly kind of just built up together truly shines here. And it's very creative in the way that it's all really just kind of like fired off. I'm very impressed uh, with the level of detail and the level of just fun that this team is having. You can just see that like Carlos is like having a good time. Leah is just having a good time. This entire creative team is just enjoying themselves, having so much fun with this team, with what's going on at Krakoa, with vampires, with the whole scenario is just so bizarre and wacky. It is just delicious. I love this book so, so much. Our third pick of the week this week is Captain America, Symbol of Truth, number seven, written by Tochian Yabuchi, with art by Iguara, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Um, this one is just a, a you know, like I, I think I mentioned it last week, just good meat and potatoes issue of Captain America. We've got Sam Wilson, who's, you know, dealing with some stuff all around him, as he always is because he's Captain America. But we've got Joaquin Torres, who is the Falcon, going through some major stuff, big actual stuff moving forward for him we'll see where that goes but the like the last page of the issue is a is a big falcon page and it's gorgeous egg comes with some gnarly stuff i, I don't want to give too much away but you know this issue gives a little bit uh, a lot of action some good drama some horror some really great facial expressions there's one bit of acting i want to talk about in here which is from nomad who is Ian Rogers, who appears in this issue, which is um, a major thing because Ian was believed to be dead. But Ian comes in here and Iguata draws uh, Ian as Nomad. And like this, he's got a cool swagger. The first time you see him, he's sort of like just the way he's standing and sort of cocked to the side a little bit. Um, and he and Sam, of course, have a lot of history. There's a shot of them as they're on their way to a mission. And Ian's got his... His arms behind his head, he's lounging back, his one leg up, and he's kind of like wistful and smirking in some ways. And then he jumps out of a plane and Ig draws this look on his face where he's like, what was that, Cap? What were you talking about? As he's just rushing headlong into chaos. He's um, kind of a jerk, but definitely lovable. There's certainly more going on here. I like that this spins up a couple of mysteries, but it brings back a character that I think a lot of us are excited to see back in play. If you don't know Ian, he is Captain America's son from Dimension Z. There's a whole storyline that went along with that where Cap was stuck in a different dimension and, and chaos and calamity. And Ian came across um, with, with Cap and um, they had been through a lot of things. Ian was believed to be dead, but now we get some Ian back in it, which is important, I would imagine, for what we're going forward and we're going into Cold War, the big crossover between the Captain's America titles. But, you know, one of the fun things about Tochi writing Captain America is giving Sam those proper Captain America heroic moments. There's a, a bit here where Cap is trying to save some kids in the middle of a war zone where Ian is more just like, let's take down the bad guys. And Cap's like, let's save the, the, the innocent people. And Cap says, if you extend a hand to help a civilian out of a pile of rubble, you can't let them see a murderer. And he, he wants to help these kids. He wants to help these families 
find some freedom, find some safety in the midst of a war zone. It's just good meat and potatoes, fill you up, rock solid Captain America comics. Let's get into our quote of the week section and our community section. Yes. All right. So before we talk about this week's award name, Ryan, mm-hmm. we got to talk about last week's. Last week's award name was the Bladder Like a Baby Award, and it was in Daredevil number five, uh, a beautiful issue uh, that closed out the short little arc in Daredevil before, you know, it's like the the calm before the storm. The book just keeps getting better and better. It's wild. It's so good. Um, it's so good. Yeah. But our winner for this week was Richard Lee at Richard Lee 19, who just tweeted, found it, which was great. Uh, great. Always love that. So, uh, Richard, um, watch your DMs. Uh, all right, let's keep rolling on because we got a whole bunch of other tweets and messages. Mountain Meg at Meg Stalker said, well, I didn't find the award quote this week. I did discover one, two incredible variant covers and two, some other excellent quotes that Jasmine and Ryan mentioned on the podcast. And three, the 2023 Stormbreakers list cannot wait to see their incredible art so excited um and so meg shared photos she shared the um the variant covers that she got which are great it's a peach momoko variant for all out avengers number three and a marvel duel loki variant for defenders beyond marvel duel is a game i don't think it's available here in the u.s i'm not sure and then meg uh found the quote from some great quotes we were talking about in all out avengers with uh the the team beating up and fighting a bunch of red skulls and you had uh she hulk in particular saying beating up fascists is guilt-free fun it it truly is yeah it's the gift uh, that always, keeps on giving always love to see fascists get their teeth kicked in always you can quote me on that mm-hmm. um and then uh also the stormbreakers list in case anyone has not seen it yet you can see it in your recent comics um but it's a great great list some incredible creators we've got elena casagrande nick klein jean basil dua chris allen martin cocolo lucas warnick federico vicentini and cf via so it's going to be good when we see all the stuff that they're working on. What a packed list. Oh, such talent right there. It's insane. Tree men dust. Yes. So we also got some uh, lovely emails from Joe Hoffman uh, over in Kansas where he wrote, it truly blew me away that on your most recent episode of Marvel's Pull List, you had a reading club about the Test Kitchen comics that are on Marvel Unlimited. I can't wait to read those Infinity comics. They sound really awesome. Joe also ran into our pal Jason Aaron at Elite Comics in Overland Park, Kansas for a signing. Very cool. Thanks for your emails and sharing all of that with us, Joe. That was awesome. Yeah. Oh, and uh, Karis Pollard at A. Karis Pollard um, didn't find the award quote this week, but did send a photo of her doggo Layla kind of, I think, having a wee outside. Huh? That's what it looks like. Huh? Maybe. 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 Um, thank you, Karis, <laughs> is all I'll say. Uh, and then we had one more email from Richard who said, my obsession with dumplings is now up another level. The recipe for the Thanksgiving dumplings turned out great. My wife and I did turkey, kale, green onions, and stuffing, which has cornbread, sausage, and celery. Plus, that sauce was divine intervention. Long story short, this will definitely be something we make again, along with our Thanksgiving egg rolls, sandwiches, Ooh. and nachos. Oh my God, I'm coming over to Yeah, your seriously. Uh, can't wait to try other recipes. Hope you both had a wonderful Thanksgiving. 
That was from Richard and sent a photo of those dumplings. Holy frijoles. I want to eat them right now. Yes. I'm so glad that you guys all sent us food. Karis also sent us a picture of foods over on Twitter. She she tweeted out, oh, Jasmine specifically asked for photos of the food from Test Kitchen. I made the porkatsu torta for a Marvel mission. And because it seemed delicious and it was after the Thanksgiving Day special, I'm thinking I might make my first dumplings too. Karis, please send us those pictures. I this is this sandwich looks delicious. So tremendous. I'm so hungry right now. Like I just ate two and I'm like already hungry again. Alright, so before we move on to the comics this week, we need to talk about this week's new award name, and it is the I Can Give You Emerald City Award. It's a good one. It's a good one. Uh, so if you find that line, that quote in your comics this week, screen cap it and tweet it to at Agent M and at Jasmiest with hashtag Marvel's pull list or probably even better. Email us at pull list at Marvel dot com. If you're among the first, uh, I may send you something in, in return. Um, yeah. We, we've been talking about it. You know, we don't know social media is in such flux. You can tweet it to us. You can also send it to us on Hive Social if you're on there. I know that's one Jasmine and I are both on, and it seems like it's it, it might be a lot of fun to be on there. Uh, but email is going to be your best bet. That's list at marvel.com. All right, we are going to give away the I Can Give You Emerald City Award to a whole bunch of books this week. Uh, a little bit less than some weeks, less than we'll see next week, but still got to dish it out. So let's get into it. Starting with our Double Trouble series of comics out this week with Peter Parker and Miles Morales, Spider-Man Double Trouble. This is so cute, so fun, like the the perfect encapsulation of an all ages title. You can read it with your kids. You can read it on your own. There's lots of funny jokes. And I'll give my I can give you Emerald City Award too. the acronym for light in this issue. It is look, it's got horrible things inside, which <laughs> that made me laugh so, so loud. I was dying when I saw that. And I know maybe we spoiled the joke a little bit for you here, but I doesn't matter. I'm pretty sure you're still going to crack up when you get to yes. it in this issue. It has got the two Spideys together doing some superheroing, getting into lots of trouble, great character designs uh, and fun, uh, really, really fun art by Guruhiru. It's just it's a ding dang delight. Next up, we have Planet Hulk Worldbreaker number one and if you're unfamiliar with Planet Hulk, highly recommend you pick up that story uh, by Greg Pak. This issue is also written by Greg Pak, and it takes place a little bit in the future, and by a little bit, I mean a millennium. And I didn't know what to expect when I opened up this book. Like, I love Planet Hulk. I love World War Hulk. I love Greg Pak's Hulk work. And this issue puts you right back in that world. It puts you back in that mindset, and it gives you a mystery. There's a lot of questions that get asked. It reminded me a lot of Future Imperfect, where you're just kind of like, thrown into this futuristic world and you're immediately just given all this information you're like how did we get here cool let's figure it out um we have a lot of reluctant heroes we have a lot of you know like our heroes scattered across the globe all over the place and it leaves a lot to you know to the imagination it leaves a lot to you know still continue trying to figure out and discover i think it's a great follow-up um but the thing that i absolutely loved about this issue was at the end of the issue we get a short story again by greg pock about scar bruce banner's son who also spun out of the original planet hulk series so if for some reason you are particularly interested in learning more about scar 
aka Hulk's son, highly recommend you pick up this issue because it contains an amazing short story where Scar is hanging out with Jen Walters, aka She-Hulk, aka Auntie Jen, which I loved. And of course, that means I'm giving Auntie Jen my I Can Give You Emerald City Award. All right, we've got one Star Wars for you this week. It is Star Wars Darth Vader number 29, and we're getting deeper and deeper into uh, that. I want to call this like the Handmaiden Saga uh, because uh, we've been following Sabe, who, you know, she's been working with, working for, working against Vader and the Empire and all this stuff. She is one of uh, Queen Amidala's handmaidens. She looks like her, one of her doubles. But now we've got more entering the fray. I'm going to give my I can give you Emerald City award to the the idea that people aren't quite as dumb as you think they are sometimes, because there's a couple of moments in this issue where like they're thinking one thing and whoops, the rug gets pulled right out from under you. Yeah, especially if you're a stormtrooper. Anyway, next we have Strange number eight, which follows up the last issue that we got where it was completely Wong centric with more of the how does that connect to what's going on right now? And all I have to say is I never knew that I wanted a crypto flavored Doctor Strange book, but this made me absolutely love it because that's exactly what happens here. It is somehow Jed McKay finds a way to weave in cryptocurrency and blockchain and manage to explain it to me in a way that I finally understand it and somehow throw magic into the works in the mix of it all and cool. come up with this gorgeous story with some amazing art where we get a lot of the like cyber, I don't know what to call it, like almost like microchip designs uh, surrounding all these like psychedelic patterns, which I just adore. This is one shot um, that I'm going to give my, I can give you Emerald City award to by artist Stefano Landini, who just is clearly having fun with this. They're just coming up with some of the most wild designs here um, because they're dealing with the digital space. They're dealing with the magical space Mm -hmm. and like just weaving the two together is such a weird combination, but just gorgeous overall. All right. We've got strange Academy finals number two out this week. I want to give my, I can give you Emerald city award to a hug, a hug between two characters that really like this could have gone a number of different ways, but what happens is, delightful and i want to give a special shout out to the variant cover by dustin weaver for this issue which is in the style of marvel universe series one cards and it's of emily bright one of the main characters in strange academy but man those cards mean so much to me to see that design in use in current cards and it looks like it could have just been part of the original set oh makes me so happy with all of that in mind, let's move on to our collections on sale this week. A whole bunch of stuff. You got the best Marvel stories by Stan Lee Omnibus, a new Warriors classic Omnibus. But I wanted to point out Wolverine Patch, which was a whole lot of fun. It is a vicious Wolverine story that um, just wrapped up recently. It is written by Larry Hama and was a blast. Really, really good stuff. Kind of old school throwback Wolverine uh, from 80s, early 90s that we just love yeah i also quickly want to shout out uh iron fist the shattered sword which follows Swordmaster as he becomes iron fist um if you've been seeing Swordmaster pop up on your in your marvel snap deck and you want to know more about him highly recommend you pick this up to see how he becomes the next iron fist 
All right, over to MU, where we've got some Infinity Comics dropping this week. Um, this week, there's a couple of part twos we may not have fully talked about last week. So X-Men Unlimited is the second part. It's issue number 63, second part of a, a storyline we're calling World Without X, written by friend Jordan Bloom with art by Salva Espin. And it's basically a return to the Age of Apocalypse timeline, now set yes. in the Krakoan Age. It's yes. really cool. I don't want to give anything away, but um, it's pretty rad. I just love seeing Cyclops' mane back. That's it. Just gorgeous locks. Those, oof, such hair. Uh, we've got mm-hmm. Avengers Unlimited number 22, which is written and drawn by Patch Zercher. With, uh, it's got Wasp and Ironheart in it, so you want to check that out. Spider-Verse Unlimited issue 26 has Stephanie Williams writing it with Nathan Stockman. So it's a great creative team. Uh, so that's really fun. Plus... You've got uh, Electric Rain and Marvel's Voices Wolverine Family Infinity Comics as well. Also on MU, we have a bunch of digital comics hitting the platform. We have Axe Judgment Day number three. We have Damage Control number one. Defenders Beyond number two. We have Marauders number five. Uh, Ryan's favorite, Spider-Gwen, Gwenverse number five, wrapping up that series. And then we have a special comic book coming a little bit early we have midnight suns number one which came out about two months ago but it's going to be hitting the service a little bit early just to you know coincide with the new video game release which we're super excited to talk about we're going to talk about that a little bit more in a future episode but now we've got to get into our reading club jasmine who are we talking oh you know we're going to be talking to uh sean isaacs have you ever heard of him he draws thunderbolts currently um and we're gonna be talking to him about the 1997 run of thunderbolts uh super exciting stuff let's do it jasmine i hope you're ready for some thunder from the south african sensation himself sean isaacs (laughs) how are you sean Uh, good in you ryan man it's been a while I know. I remember seeing you pop by the the office one day, and there, I was like, "Who's that guy?" And they were like, "Sean Isaacs." So I was like, "What?" And then you were already gone. Like, oh, it was, that was in that was in twenty nineteen pre uh, pre lockdown and everything. And I was literally there for like a few hours before I had to get on a flight to go to Baltimore Comic Con as well. So it was just cool to see the offices and say hi. The office. What a myth. <laughs> Foreign concept. Yeah. What. <laughs> Sean, thank you so much for joining us. This is exciting. We're excited just to talk about Thunderbolts, uh, the 97 run, but uh, also your work on Thunderbolts currently. Um, I reached out because, like, I mean, I super dug the first issue. I'm excited for the next issue. Um, But I'm also curious. I want to hear more about, like, how you got onto the book and where you got started. Oh, geez. I thought you said we only only have, like, four hours (laughs) for the conversation. That's not going to be nearly enough. Um, but, uh, 2010, I lost my job and I thought like, this is the time to really focus on making the comic book thing happen. Sort of like a snowball effect. I ended up doing all sorts of odd jobs, drawing things. I'd rather not repeat, uh, to your, um, uh, influential audience, um, (laughs) just to make a couple of bucks to pay for food. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I mean, I, eventually it was just kind of like funny story. I ended up somehow getting an email for someone at Marvel and just sending them uh, samples over the course of about four years, maybe. Uh, But then at the same time, I ended up doing a book for Dynamite, which is where I met Jim Zub, 
and we sort of worked on that together. And then like years later, sort of when I was doing um, my last set of samples for Marvel that I sent to Ricky, sort of the same time that I sent my next set of samples was sort of the same time that uh, Jim was looking for someone to fill in on Thunderbolts. And so got an email one day say, that said uh, Marvel in it. And I was like, someone's punking me right now. <laughs> Phone my friends. I'm like, did one of you, did one of you send me a, an email? Like, <laughs> um and yeah, that's sort of how I started. And my first gig at Marvel was two issues of Thunderbolts. Uh, full circle. Um, I want to back up a little bit. Sean, where did you grow up? Uh, Johannesburg, South Africa, hey? like my whole life. Let's get into talking about some some Thunderbolts comics, uh, some yes. Avengers comics, because this is our reading reading club. And Sean, you came in wanting to talk about some T-Bolts, naturally. So why did you choose Thunderbolts issues 20 through 22 and Avengers West Coast sixty nine. Nice. Those were the issues. I mean, it's got it's got my boy in it. It's got Hawkeye in it, right? Like everybody's uh, favorite rogue agent uh, Avenger. I remember picking up all the Thunderbolts issues. Like first of all, like back in those days as well. Like anything that Mark Bagley drew, I was on board. Mm-hmm. You know, just that entire amazing Spider Man run. Like all of those. Bagley went on to doing Thunderbolts, and I was like all over it. I had no idea what Thunderbolts was about. I was like, these guys are cool. I like the costumes. And then I get to the end of the issue, and I'm just like, oh, my God, what's just happened right now? Like, I don't even understand. Um, and then I was like, oh. And it's also one of those, like, oh, man, like these could have been my new favorite characters, and they're the bad guys. <laughs> and so I started picking it up, and then obviously by, you know, issue 21, or the end of issue 20 and stuff, you get the big reveal where, like, Dread Knight shows up and you're like, oh, okay, he looks kind of cool. I don't know much about him, but I'm, I'm into it. And then like right at the end, there's the big Hawkeye reveal. And I was like, it's just, it's just this really cool picture of Hawkeye by Mark Bagley. That I was just like, oh, this is really this is awesome. It's like a lone hero against us. I'm always like one of those where I love the stories where it's like the guy is beaten down or it's just him against everyone else. And you're just like, how is he going to get out of this? And somehow they pull off the win. So I was all over that. Um, so that's why I, p- I picked those issues because when Hawkeye shows up and is like, I'm your new leader, guys, um, it sort of uh, echoes what we've done with the new Thunderbolts as well. So I took the opportunity to read all 20 some issues before the the little arc that mm-hmm. you uh, recommended, just because I, I haven't read this entire series like as a whole. And I found it so fascinating that they waited 21 issues to like bring in an Avenger or bring in any big name like superhero into the team like like you said like they were just a team of villains and even the villains outside of citizen b who if you're not if you don't know spoiler alert is baron zemo um they're not the biggest like baddies or like well-known baddies and so it very much feels like a book where they're constantly being beat down they're not like super well known and they constantly have to prove themselves and I thought it was really well done when they brought Hawkeye in because it's very much like Hawkeye being like, hey, this happened to me when I was on the Avengers. I was a bad guy. I was a crook. And like Captain America took a chance on me. Um, and I'm going to take a chance on you guys, even though one of you committed murder. Yeah, he, he was the, he was like the, the OG villain come hero kind of thing. Yeah. He, he was the OG, but I'm pretty sure like you can kind of also classify Star Wars and Quicksilver like the bad guys uh, originally in the Avengers totally. as well. You know, so the Avengers are essentially also like Thunderbolts because a lot of them are ex-villains. Even Wonder Man was a bad guy. Um, 
you know, so like he, he's like, Hey, I've, I have faith in you kind of thing. And it's again, like there were like people yelling like, Oh, that's new Thunderbolts. It's not our Thunderbolts. And I'm like, but you, can you, how can you not see the similarities? It's like, you know, just walk out coming again to, to these people and being like, okay, cool. I will, I will lead you. I will turn us into something great. You know, I, I find that fascinating that there's this like set of fans who only think of the, the original concept uh, or, or like one aspect of it, of the Thunderbolts and don't understand like all the different things that they've had over 200 issues. Yeah. Yeah. There's a right? lot of like, Thunderbolts history. I mean, did they not forget that whole that red Thunderbolt where it was like Red Hulk and Punisher and Elektra and all oh, those guys. Like, one of my favorite Thunderbolts teams. Do you know? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's there's, there's there's like a group of fans that are just like nothing must ever change in comics, and like it, it's weird because they want change, but then when you give them change, they're like, that's not the change we want. You know what I mean? That's like, the wrong kind of like, change. Because like Thunderbolts, every single person that I've seen online that has read this issue of Thunderbolts that we've done have loved it. The only people that have hated it are the people that haven't even read the book. They're just like no, always. No. I'm like. Yeah, like we, clearly all these years of reading comic books has made you that close-minded. Like, come now, <laughs> grow up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and I love that you brought up your book, uh, The Current Thunderbolts, because there are some similarities, like big similarities. Like you do have characters that are like being brought into the team, brought into the fold of the team and being like almost like not rebranded, but like like they're getting that same treatment. Like we have the the, the Purple Man's daughter on the team. Who like yeah. we all think of that as like a villain, and here's Persuasion like now becoming her own character, and like really like immediately became one of my favorites on the on the, the as soon as I saw her pop on the page, um like you you you're getting more dimension added, but then you're also getting the mystery of like when you first start reading this run in particular, like you don't know until the last page of the first issue like who these heroes are, um and as you continue going, there's always a sense of mystery whether it's trying to figure out you know what the thunderbolts are really after like what their real motive is or you know you get like jolt added to the team like four issues in and like she doesn't know about the team and like she's like young and plucky and like actually a hero doesn't have a criminal past and then even when hawkeye gets added it's like okay cool like there's still this like mis element of mystery of like what are the avengers gonna say like you didn't get the approval of the avengers to do this and now like you're kind of going against their back and working with criminals. Like there is a little bit of that mystery in your book as well. Um, with like guts and glory, you don't know who he is necessarily and like where he comes from, um, the dynamic of the team, uh, Monica Rambeau working alongside Luke Cage without Hawkeye's knowledge. Like there's a lot of like secret stuff. So it's very much like a, I could clearly see the like parallels between the two books and why you chose this. Right, I mean, like that—that's the thing as well. Is like part of Thunderbolts is the mystery, right? It does. It, it's one of those things that, like, I mean, you, the X Men are like where the X Men sort of epitomize drama because that's what they—that's that's their that's their bread and butter. That's why people love the X Men is because years and years of like drama. Like, I mean, there's the, the love triangle between uh, Cyclops, Jean Grey, and that short dude. Um, <laughs> You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a psychic fan, okay? So I'm like, I don't care about no no hairy Canuck coming in and, you know, moseying in on things. Um, like, that's that's their thing. But I think with, with the Thunderbolts, their whole thing is just, you know, the mystery. There has to be mystery about them. Like, 
people have secrets and they keep popping off. And so, I mean, even in the original one, like Moonstone was trying to clearly manipulate the team all the time. You know what I mean? And um, I, th- when I was reading the script for issue one that uh, Jim sent through and I was, you know, kind of going through it, like I just, that ending for issue one was just like, ooh. Like he obviously told me what's happening um, when he pitched the book to me. And, um, but I never, like the way he wrote that ending was just so cool. I was like very excited to draw it because I was just like, oh man, that's going to be, I could just see it. Like if you were watching like some sort of uh, movie that just went super dark right at the end, that's sort of how I pictured it happening. And now I'm, I'm busy on issue five this week and he's given me so many cool things to draw, like some creepy stuff and, you know, the, the villain of the arc and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I'm just very excited to like dive into, into that now as well. I mean, issue four, I finished last week and it has some of my favorite pages that I've drawn, um, in the series so far. So yeah, it's been, it's been great. It's like, it's, they're, they're such cool characters. It's, it's one of those things where, I'll go in and be like, ah, he, he literally sold me on the reason for drawing this book was because he knows I'm a big Hawkeye fan. So like, I don't really care about any other characters. He's like Hawkeye's in it. And I'm like, oh. Uh, I want to backtrack a little bit going back to the the 90s Thunderbolt stuff that we're talking about because I was looking at sort of, I, I always like to sort of frame it where what other books are out at this time, what the landscape of Marvel Comics is. Um, so we're talking about these issues of Thunderbolts, particularly coming out in September, hitting, you know, newsstands or shops or whatever, September of 1998. Really interestingly, this is the month when Marvel Knights launches. So it's oh, you know, Black Panther, Daredevil, Punisher, Inhumans all launch within this month. So you've got that going on. Um, you also have Heroes Reborn because they're all starting to come back after the year of the, they've yeah, just come back in all the heroes that were missing as well. Yes. Yeah, so that was like a year or so where mm-hmm. all those heroes had, had kind of come back. This is also right after the launch of the MC two comics. Oh, whoa. So spider girl, J two a next, which is pretty cool. Those, those have a really interesting place and in things. Jug- yeah. J two is the kid of juggernaut. Um, Mutant X is going on, which is one of my favorite weird uh, alternate reality Marvel stories. So that was really cool. Um, the last issue of What If, that that volume comes out this month, which is, you know, it's a big uh, Secret Wars thing, which is really fun. There is a Don McGregor written Blade series, which I've never read. Hell yeah. Read that. Um, so good. That looks rad. Uh, that looks really cool. And then there's one thing that I just saw that was like, what is this? It's called the Time Slip Collection, which I'm going to read the two of you. The creators involved in this it's it's re, it's reprints of two page uh vignettes of like this alternate reality that ran in marvel visions but then they collected it but it's got art by kelly jones mike allred guy davis tim sale john paul leone scott mcdaniel bill sinkevich paul pope jeff smith phil hester cully hamner frank Taran, glenn fabry um dan jurgens and it's got uh it's all written by jim krueger in this really cool thing i like i need this the the collection of all these things was the time slip collection but if you read marvel visions um these were like interspersed through them as far as i remember but it's really cool time for marvel obviously a lot of big change going on and, and thunderbolts before the big editorial changes that come with marvel knights but still able to carry on and do some really cool stuff with all these characters 
and and bringing a different vibe. I think Sean, you mentioned Moonstone and, and Meteorite and like how she was thinking about plotting. And I, as reading these for the first time in years, uh, I loved her vibe of constantly looking at it as this chessboard and how she can move pieces around and and how she could manipulate every single thing that is said every person every character every movement um she even though she's very much like puppeteer she was among my favorite parts of this this arc that we read i remember reading where she started trying to seduce hawkeye and i was like no clint don't fall for it like, <laughs> you know i was just like how's gonna get out of this i'm like you push love like come on you gotta, you gotta be able to see through this, and then it's like, does she have feelings for it? Then you know, like that. I mean, that was that was their part of the drama. It was awesome. It was great. Um, and I mean, like also, like I loved uh, when how they resolved. I mean, even the just the fight, the, the combat and stuff. Like uh, the the issue after Hawkeye shows up, got Hercules showing up in there, causing more drama, and that was cool. That issue is so cool because it's it's just. Uh, Hercules getting revenge for like him getting beat up by the masters of evil uh, in Avengers when they just break in th- into Avengers mansion and just wreck him. And he's, but I mean, that's, that's the cool thing is like another, yeah. another reason why Hawkeye is one of the best is because at the end of that issue, Hawk, like Hawkeye eventually wakes up and he's like, you know, Hercules is like, I'll, I'll go through you to kill these guys. And Hawkeye's like, well, no, then you're going to have to go through me. And it's like, if you're if you're a fan of Hawkeye, you'll see Hawkeye does that all, like often. Like he's not he's fearless. He's like he's a guy with that has like he shoots sticks at people, and he's just like I you know you, and like he's not like Cap, who when he stands up to someone, you know Cap can back it up. You know he's like if he stands up to someone like the Juggernaut or whatever, Juggernaut will be like ah, maybe this guy can take me out like. Hawkeye doesn't have that. He's like, Hawkeye just stands there being like, I'm going to do this because I have the conviction that I am my boots. If, like, if my boots weren't, uh, you know, folded over, they would be falling off because I'd be shaking them so much. Like, you can kind of see that, like, Hawkeye is terrified to be there, but he's like, it's the right thing to do, so he's got to do it. Because I feel with Clint, his thing is he's always trying to, um, like, everything he does is sort of, like, repenting for being a villain at the start you know he's just like he's constantly trying to prove that he's a hero and to be the best and to stand with guys that have powers and stuff and that's part of like the trauma of clint barton right two things um friend of the show torin clark is also a huge hawkeye fan and i always give him on instagram because he always rules over how awesome hawkeye is and i'm always just like kate bishop is the better hawkeye um so i tease him but like I'm glad that you brought up the Hercules issue because that like I like that image of him standing up to Hercules like it's pretty vivid and it's just like he's like almost twice the size of Hawkeye but that image alone is like ingrained in my head now and I'm just like all right this one picture sold it for or this one panel sold it for me like he's pretty cool not gonna lie but also I you mentioned that the fight against uh U.S. agent is one of your favorite fights in comics your issue of Thunderbolts also features a fight between U.S. Agent and Hawkeye. What was it like to draw that? So I don't actually know if that was originally in the script because U.S. Agent is not was still one of the good guys. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like 
the the original Thunderbolts, but uh, the Kingpin's Thunderbolts and that were all arrested. But U.S. agent, he was like he's still part of it, works for the government and all that stuff. So I don't know if it was originally in the script. I need to you should actually ask Jim if it was. But I just remember that when Jim pitched the story to me and he told me that the first issue is uh, uh, Luke Cage's Hawkeye um, uh, Thunderbolts going after Kingpin's Thunderbolts, I said to him like. We have to have Hawkeye fighting US agents. Like I have to draw it. I have to have to have to. <laughs> and, I, and he said, Why? And I'm like, and then I just pulled up the Avengers annual issue and I'm said, Because they're fighting this issue and you can't have these thunderbolts going after those thunderbolts without Clint having to do something like the two of them encountering the So I kind of think that Jim might have just written that just for me or like because I wanted it so badly. I mean, you know, even in the in the issue, you know, like Luke Cage is like, Why did you beat up US agent? He's one of the good guys. And he's like, Oh well, you know. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing I wanted to talk to you about, Sean, is a little bit about just character design and, and thinking about the looks of characters, especially because also looking back at this original Thunderbolts run, and obviously you're taking a whole crew of characters who have identities, who have looks, who have everything established for, in some cases, decades, and giving them new looks, new roles, new identities, all this stuff, and, and, and bringing them into a 90s vibe Really interesting stuff. Of course, Mark Bagley, one of the goats. So, you know, he does some really cool stuff here. You, on your side, what is the the process like? What is your thinking in terms of, you know, developing new looks for characters, especially someone like Persuasion we talked about, or designing, you know, new characters like Guts and Glory, whom I love a ton. I love the look <laughs> of that boy. Also, uh, Monica Rambeau's vest. Hmm. Oh, uh, I mean, like... I, like I'm one of those when I come up with designs, I really try to I put like a lot of like a lot of thought into like what's the character's personality, what's their history, what's the backstory of why they're wearing what they're wearing. Like that that's a lot of fun for me. So like Monica Rambo, like I knew that her and Blue Marvel were had like a, a thing. Like I didn't I'm so I've I've got like boxes of comics I still haven't read, but I got the gist of it and I was just like um I think I saw a design for Monica, that was similar to what I was going for. I don't know if it was, it might have been an Alex Ross design, I'm not sure. Um, but I always think she looks good when she's like got like the slick black and white kind of look. And I wanted to add something to it. So I kind of used that and just like as a bit of a nod to like, you know, she, she's always been like, a, like back in the next wave, she wore like a trench coat. And I was just like, that's too like chunky. And that's like, it's really cool when Stuart Eminem's drawing it. But I was just like, ah, I don't know if I could make it work. And I wanted to look a bit more heroic, but have a nod to like stuff that she's been through. So I just kind of thought like it would be kind of, I, I put it on when I did the designs and I just thought like maybe it's Blue Marvel's coat kind of thing. You know, maybe he left it at her place sometime. And so I kind of wanted to like acknowledge that. So like, it's, it's not like, oh, she's in this new team and nothing that's happened in the past matters anymore. Like I like having things that kind of pop up and like hint back to previous stories or experiences the characters have had, right? Um, with Persuasion, like the uh, the notes were that because, um, you know, her skin's purple, she can't really hide from like, the public eye and she's sort of like almost like the standout person for like just be yourself and, you know, she's got like the PR guys and so with her, the, the, the idea was that she'd constantly be having new looks throughout the series so you know literally i would design them on the page as i was drawing them i'd be like okay you look for this 
So if you look at all the different covers, she's got a different look on every cover, but she might not necessarily wear each of those costumes in the story because I haven't seen the story out of the covers beforehand. But I was literally just browsing on Pinterest, like looking at, you know, fashion and all that kind of stuff, just trying to like spark some ideas. And some of the costumes I came up with her on those covers, I like more than others. So I don't know if they're going to stick or what's going to happen. We'll see what, what happens. But she was fun. The hardest person, I think, for me to design was probably uh, America Chavez because she's like very, very casual. So, you know, you, you're kind of browsing a lot of things there and trying to come up with new looks for her that haven't been used before has been a bit difficult. But in some of the, in some of the pages and stuff, I, or issues, I went back to some of her old looks because they're just so classic, you know. Um, Guts and Glory, he was, they were just like, the notes for him was just ultimate, you know, 90s superhero, you know, think X-Force, Rob Liefeld, Pat, like, I was just like, okay, how can I make this kind of different but similar? And uh, so I went with like full military kind of look for him. You know, I designed um, uh, Snow Guard when I was doing uh, Champions. And I think I did like mm -hmm. 26 different costumes for her because I was just so overly critical. And I was like, this costume looks too much like this character from this anime show. Scrap it. Then I would do like one and I would do like, five or six different color variations. And I was just so overly critical about that. So when I, I'm like, I'm our own worst enemy when it comes to character design. And then you have the new character in issue two, which is Egro. And him, I kind of nailed down on my first pass, strangely enough. It was like, make a Kirby monster. And I was like, okay. And I just had like a whole bunch of Kirby picture reference, monster references like hanging around. And, you know, I had a couple of beers and I kind of sat back <laughs> and started drawing. And just like first pass, and I sent it to, uh, to Tom and Tom Briefit and Jim Zub and everybody, and they thought this is awesome. And I was like, okay, so you know sometimes things like that happen. You know, just you don't when you do one pass or you do twenty six. The the monster design could have fooled me as someone who's read a lot of Kirby monster comics. I was like, oh cool, it's a classic Kirby monster, but yeah, it just you nailed it, nailed it. Same here. I was about to say yeah. the same thing. Like I thought I didn't realize you created that character yeah i mean that was it it was just like he's a kobe monster and i was like okay what am i gonna do and i was just like i want him you know i want someone like that's kind of hunched over and like I, the idea of like these like big thick green dreadlock kind of things and this weird like angular shaped head which is just like because uh, like with kirby as well you'll see a lot of the time with these monsters their heads are always very disproportionate to the rest of their bodies so i was like let's just go big head small body um, the other thing I wanted to comment on too, and like your designs, you brought up America Chavez, but like one of the things that struck me was the way you like you draw her hair, um, which is such a like weird thing to say, but also like I've noticed uh, after rereading a lot of America Chavez stuff lately, how often her hair texture changes, and, and like how between books, like different artists come on and they like they switch it up, but like. I'm, I've always been a fan of her like curly hair or like more textured hair and yeah. like you you definitely play with that a lot in even just like the first issue alone like I'm looking at a couple pages right now and like I love how curly her hair is and like you can feel it like it's not just like a, a, a black like shadow where you can't really see the, the hair it's like you can actually see strands kind of like sticking out and stuff like that too and I, like I love that. Oh, yeah. I mean, with, with her as well, it was like, I, I did, I, I literally went onto Pinterest and I was just like, hey, 
And I just did so many pictures of hair, trying to cover the hairstyles and all that kind of stuff. Because for when I think of America Chavez, I think the first time I saw her was in Young Avengers. And so she does have straight hair, straight-ish wavy hair in issue four, though. For reasons. But yeah, for me, she'll always have like the frizzy-ish hair that like McKelvey did, did because like that's Chavez to me. Sean, as we start to to wrap up here, just thinking about your work and, and you know, you gave us a little bit of your history and where you came into things, how you, you sort of joined in some of your history as a reader. Um, who are some of your most influential artists for your career? You mentioned, you know, Bagley and Byrne and a couple of places, but who else? Who who really gets your gears going? The big three growing up was the late, great, amazing George Perez, of course. He was he drew everything I loved. Um, Avengers, Teen Titans, all that stuff. John Byrne, obviously, he did everything well. His Fantastic Four covers are still some of my favorite covers. Um, like the, the one cover where it has like the Avengers of the Fantastic Four fighting like this big Galactus just on the cover. Obviously, Mark Bagley. And then probably the person that influenced me the most growing up was probably Alan Davis. His work was just phenomenal. And he was the first artist that I could he choreographed fight scenes that I fell in love with because I could feel the movement on those fights. The issue of Uncanny Avenger, uh, Uncanny uh, X-Men, where it's Psylocke, Wolverine fighting Sabretooth. Sabretooth just attacks, tries to kill Psylocke and Wolverine shows up. That whole brutal fight for like one full issue blew my little mind so much. And I was like, it felt like I was watching an action movie. But I think my other biggest influence just overall, and I think it's a lot of people's influences is uh, Stuart Eminem. Like that dude, like reinvents his style every time he's on a new book, and it just like freaks me out that he's so good. Well, this was awesome, Sean. Thank you so much for for joining us and talking Thunderbolts with us. Um, where can people find you? Um, it's super easy to find me. You just Google my name, and I'll pop up all over the place because I don't have like a handle and stuff. So. On Twitter, with Sean Isaacs on Twitter or Sean Isaacs on Instagram. That's basically where I am the most. Awesome. Thank you, Sean. Yeah, thanks so much. Oh, no, thanks. All right, once again, big thank you to Sean for coming on the show, for doing great art on Thunderbolts and so much more. But we got to wrap it up. This episode of Marvel's Pull List was produced by Ryan Panagos, Jasmine Estrada, and Cara McGurk-Allison. Brad Barton is Pulis Senior Manager of Audio Production and Development. Joe DeBoff is our Director of Audio. As always, you can email us at pullist at marvel.com, hashtag Marvel's Pull List. Uh, be sure to rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Tell a friend or two. Any and all comments help the show and help other people find them so definitely drop those in your favorite pod player there you go i'm ryan and i'm jasmine and this is marvel your universe <laughs>